The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, USDA made little changes to Brazil's soybean and corn production. We also saw higher U.S. ending stocks for corn, soybeans, and wheat. All of that data coming out of the February WASDI report on Thursday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us. We got a lot to talk about here on today's program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And yeah, the WASDI report out on Thursday, typically the February report, not a big market mover, but still plenty of chances for USDA to throw a few curveballs. And we saw one of the key numbers folks were watching heading into the report was what USDA would do with Brazil soybean production. CONAB, Brazil's equivalent to USDA, early on Thursday lowered their soybean estimate all the way down to 149.4 million metric tons, but USDA pegged Brazil's soybean crop at 156 million metric tons. That was a big disappointment to the market, down just 1 million metric ton from the January report. USDA acknowledging a decent-sized Brazil crop is going to do little to help U.S. soybean exports as well. As we saw them cut U.S. soybean exports 35 million bushels, we saw export or saw ending stocks again for U.S. corn, soybeans, wheat, all a bit higher than pre-report expectations. Uh, really, just all the data that we got on Thursday pretty much uh, just leaned us even farther to the bearish side of the boat, so to speak. We're going to talk about things coming up today on the show. We are going to have a conversation later on uh, with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor, VP of Brokerage Solutions at Total Farm Marketing. He's going to join us to give us his thoughts and a big picture perspective, as Brian likes to say, on the WASDI numbers and what it means for the markets. Also coming up in segment two, we are going to snag a few minutes with Tyler Shaw, the newest partner at agmarket.net. Tyler is going to join us and provide his thoughts on these uh, numbers we got from USDA and what it means for the markets. We also are going to get some thoughts on the livestock trade from Tyler, too, coming up in segment two today. So looking forward to that and more. Let's kick things off, though. We got some market analysis around midday post WASDI report on Thursday with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at StoneX. Arlen and I talked about the WASDI numbers. I got his thoughts on those minimal changes by USDA to uh, South American production numbers. The corn number in line with pre-report estimates for Brazil, but that soybean number, again, only down 1 million metric tons. Argentine numbers were left unchanged. So we talk about that. We talk about the U.S. ending stocks numbers. We also touch on the livestock trade and some of the thoughts uh, that we're seeing there in cattle and hogs as we near the end of the week. Let's listen into that midday commentary with Arlen Suderman from Stone X, starting with Arlen's thoughts on the South American numbers from USDA. Yeah, that was the key number right there is Brazil soybean production, which uh, started out above 160 million metric tons before they had the adverse weather during the growing season. Our Stone X Brazil um, 
customer survey, farmer survey, puts it at 150.35 million metric tons. USDA was at 157 million metric tons last month. The trade thought they would come down to at least 153.2 million metric tons. CONAB, which is the equivalent of Brazil's USDA, came down to 149.4 million metric tons this morning, earlier this morning, very close to our estimate. Um, but USDA only came down to 156, only down 1 million metric tons. They cut their all corn production estimate by 3 million metric tons to 124. That's most interesting to us because the 75% roughly of their corn production is a safrina crop, which is less than 20% planted right now. So they were aggressive in cutting the corn production number and really matched what the trade expected, even though most of their biggest crop hasn't even been planted yet. And But that was pretty close to what the trade expected. I know the Argentine numbers, corded soybean production, that was left unchanged. Let's go to the U.S. side. Soybean stocks higher, corn ending stocks were up, wheat stocks were up, and USDA, too, uh, on the soybean side, they cut, what was it, 35 million bushels from U.S. soybean exports. So some changes there as well with uh, pretty much higher ending stocks across the board, Arlen. Yeah, it was interesting. USDA cut food industrial and seed use for wheat and corn and grain sorghum by 10 million bushels each um, and added that to the bottom line for wheat and corn for grain sorghum. They increased exports to offset that. On soybeans, they cut exports by 35 million, and I've been warning that they could cut as much as 50 million off of that, but I expected them to at least partially offset that with an increase in crush because we are running above the seasonal pace needed to hit USDA's crush target and we have more crush facilities coming online. So I expected that increase. They did not do so. So that cut in exports all went to the bottom line. 315 million bushels of ending stocks. The trade was expecting 284. So the soybean market sold off hard initially as the algos traded that number. But it's really come back as the human element has taken over as the trade basically saying, okay, we priced in a smaller crop. CONAB confirmed what we thought. We just think USDA is being conservative and not going there yet. So we're going to go with the CONAB number. That's what the market is telling us. At least right now, we'll see how we close the day. Yeah, I'd have to say, uh, overall, the the numbers that we got here from this USDA report, it doesn't feel like uh, it, it's adding anything bullish, uh, per se, to these grain markets. It feels like just a, a little more weight thrown onto the bearish side of the boat, so to speak, here, Arlen. It really does, and you look at uh, wheat is particularly posting double-digit losses as we talk, and it's been a real struggle, and that's largely because the Black Sea sets the world wheat price, and there are indications in the cash market that Russia has lowered its wheat price some more, it and Ukraine trying to compete with each other on export values, and uh, that pushes the European prices down, which ends up pushing our prices down as we try to compete. Real quick, in the livestock trade, cattle are hanging on to some strength here post-WASDE report while hogs are a little bit lower. Any notes for you in the protein sector today? Yeah, most definitely as we look at the cattle market, getting a boost today, and it really comes down to um, the deliveries against the February contract. We saw 16 loads of deliveries tendered last night in the Pan Texas Panhandle, $182.22 all of which was demanded by the long. So on the first day 
uh, those deliveries. We see the long side d- demanding delivery. That speaks well for demand right now, and that's what the market's responding to with higher trading. And once again, thoughts there with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us for our midday commentary on Thursday post-WASDI report from USDA. And again, USDA barely cutting Brazil soybean production in the February report above uh, pre-report expectations. That had an impact on the soybean market on the day. Even with those lower CONAB numbers early on Thursday, we still saw traders uh, take some profit here in this bean market through the session. Wheat trade was down double digits on the day. Pressure there from cheap world values, including that cheap Russian wheat. We did get uh, Canada's end of 2023 grain stocks, and they were all down from 2022 in wheat, corn, and oats, but up in barley, soybeans, and canola. Those numbers, though, pretty much as anticipated and expected out on Thursday. So plenty of data thrown at the markets. What does it mean? Well, we're going to get some thoughts and perspective coming up next with Tyler Shaw from agmarket.net. He joins us after the break here on Market Talk. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, joining us now as we recap the February World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report, we wanted a little extra analysis here today of the report. Happy to uh, grab a few minutes with Tyler Shaw, partner at agmarket.net, joining us here on Market Talk. Tyler, good to catch up with you. Busy report day. Looking at things, USDA, the cuts that they made to the South American crop, Brazil specifically, corn was pretty much in line. Soybeans, though, that number came in a bit higher than many of the pre-report estimates. And overall, it just felt like those numbers were kind of bearish to at least what the market was thinking early on. Your thoughts on overall on those South American numbers, I know that was the, the big one that a lot of folks were watching on Thursday. Yeah, you know, we had a we met uh, earlier last week to discuss kind of our our estimates, and one of the things we talked quite a bit about is this is an estimate of what USDA is going to say, not of what we actually think is down there. So, you know, we thought we'd see a little more of a reduction uh, on their soy. You know, they went from 157 down to 156. I think we were somewhere, you know, maybe a, a million metric ton lower than that. So it's not surprising. I'll start off with that. It's not surprising that they didn't reduce uh, Brazilian soy crop more than they did. I think what's kind of kind of catching everyone off guard uh, right now is Conab came out earlier this morning, uh, sub 150 million metric ton. So, you know, it's kind of hard to compare that. But one of the things that I'll point out is the USDA also raised last year's Brazilian crop from 160 up to 162 on this recent WASDI report. And I believe uh, Conab's down in the 154, 155 range for last year. So there's a disconnect. And, you know, unfortunately for market prices today, the world trades the USDA report. Definitely does. And on top of that, U.S. ending stocks uh, for soybeans, corn, wheat all came in above pre-report expectations on this report, Tyler. And I also saw, too, 
USDA cut soybean exports on the U.S. side, 35 million bushels. So uh, a little more added to uh, kind of the bearish side of the boat, so to speak. Yeah, um, you know, the, the export cuts may be a little more aggressive than we thought you would see from the USDA. It doesn't really come to a big surprise. Our shipments are lagging. And uh, when you compare asking values for soybeans, Brazil is going to come in and undercut us by quite a bit. So it's definitely the, the, the fire sale on soybeans is in South America. It's going to remain that way uh, throughout the summer. And so, you know, our, our, our inspections haven't kept up. Our sales haven't been high enough to justify where they're at. So it's not a surprise that they, they pulled that number down maybe a little more aggressive than what we thought we'd see in the February report. Uh, as far as corn goes, you know, we, we lied. We made the comment that you probably just saw the, the highest ending stocks for corn on the January report. And the USDA says, oh, no, wait a minute. We're going to make less sugar out of corn. And so they reduced food use uh, by 10 million metric or 10 million bushels. So that's where you saw that ending stocks increase uh, on the corn side. And yeah, just an overall negative report for all grains. World stocks too. And I know a lot of these numbers, uh, we're going to be digesting them and going through them here over the next uh, couple of days. Uh, world corn stocks were down slightly. Wheat stocks down slightly. World soybean stocks went up slightly uh, on the latest reports. I know too, we've gotten Stats Canada out with Canadian grain stocks numbers. All that was pretty much in line with expectations. I guess overall here, Tyler, it just feels like as we're marketing through this environment in the grain and oilseed trade right now, we've talked about this. Uh, just got to be smart. Some of these prices, not what folks want to see, but you just got to gotta have a plan in place, it seems, to try and navigate uh, just this volatility and just some of the ugliness in these grain markets. And, you know, that's about the best way I can put it is just kind of ugly uh, markets here as of late, right? Yeah, the narrative hasn't changed, you know, uh, high supply and, and then the three years of high prices preceding uh, have, have just really end users and users in general have figured out a way to substitute around and, and they're sitting on their hands. Much much the way the farmer was sitting on his hands as prices were going higher and end users were scrambling to get coverage, now it's the opposite. Uh, the end users are sitting on their hands, see how much cheaper they can get this product bought, and the farmers are left uh, scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. And you hit the nail on the head, you gotta have a plan, and then the key is putting that plan into action. And, and you know, I work with uh, producers from all over the country, and I can, you know, work with guys that are on both sides of that coin, those that had a plan and put it into action, those that drug their feet and that, that didn't enact their plan. And I've got guys that never did get a plan put together. Um, and I can tell you the ones that had a plan and, and put it into action, they might not love these prices, but they're, you know, they're, they're feeling okay about their position right now. And, and looking at things here, I mean, you know, we've been setting new contract lows in front month March corn. Obviously, all these soybean numbers. I look at charts on like Minneapolis spring wheat. We've lost a lot of the carry in that market. So, I mean, it, you know, things to your point, maybe not great, but having that plan and, and managing it here going to be key. And we do have a lot of other uh, volatility potentially in front of us here. We got USDA's Outlook Forum next week. I know we got other uh, reports coming up here from USDA and more, and we got a ways to go before we start planting here in the U.S. Uh, in a couple of months. So uh, acreage battle and more. There's there's plenty in front of us here in the next few uh, weeks and months ahead, right, Tyler? 
Yeah, I mean, as I said, the narrative is, is negative right now. We're in a, a long-term bear market, uh, but there are bear market rallies. Uh, you know, they're not going to be, you, know, you, you, you need to remove $6 corn from your brain for a little bit and, and 14 and $15 soybeans. Uh, you know, we're going to get some type of movement. There's been a lot of talk about the size of the, the managed money position on the short side, really in all grains. Uh, so there's reason to believe that we will, um, you know, we'll, we'll see some type of a, a rally and a move higher. It's, you've just got to be ready to pull the trigger, have some, some targets in place, have resting orders at the elevator with your broker, whatever, so that when we hit those points, uh, you get something done. Um, you know, it, it, the outlook is right now isn't the, the best, but one of the things I try to remind customers and it got mentioned at our conference this last weekend, you know, the market's job is to punish those that are out of position. Uh, and, and it's going to make you feel like you're off sides uh, until, until you aren't. <laughs> um, and, and you just want to make sure you're ready to take advantage when it gives you those opportunities. Great point. Great point. I know too, just real quick, a couple livestock notes from you. Um, and we're still, again, wading through a lot of this data from USDA. Cattle markets had a lot more optimism. Looking at the WASDE beef production forecast uh, raised from last month, pork production lowered on a slower pace of slaughter. Just a couple of the headlines that jumped out at me there. I mean, as you've looked at the, at the WASDE numbers, anything major jump out at you that could impact this livestock trade or anything from the grain side that could maybe impact our livestock trade, Tyler? Um, you know, th th there wasn't a lot uh, coming out of the WASI that really came as a shock. Um, we've known that that cattle numbers are going to be lower. Um, you know, that's not really anything new. And, and sometimes I think the WASDE kind of lacks maybe what's a little bit of reality in the fact that, uh, you know, that they've, they've still, I, I think in future WASDE reports, you're likely to see that uh, um, beef production number drop uh, as it tries to catch up with just the lack of calves that are out there. You know, we were up strong earlier today. There was a little bit of a sell-off. We're up against some pretty good resistance uh, on channel. I mean, any way you want to slice it, there's some resistance up there that's just kind of got this market a little bit scared. But, you know, I, I talked to a lot of producers, cow-calf guys, talked to a lot of uh, cattle feeders, and I talked to a lot of guys that are background in calves and keep coming back to the, the same thing. I, I'm There's nothing out there that I'm picking up the phone saying, hey, you've got to, to put hedges on, you've got to protect this. But if you're calling me, asking me if you should, I'm not going to talk you out of it. Uh, you've got the opportunity to lock in some record high prices again. And maybe you've got a really short-term memory and forget what it was like in October and November watching that feeder board just fall apart. Uh, it can happen at any point, and it doesn't have to have a real great reason. I think, too, a lot of cattle guys and gals have taken advantage of things like LRP here in the last few months. So that's maybe a little extra incentive to not worry as much, per se, and put hedges on since they have some of that LRP protection, right? Yeah, uh, I, I deal with a lot of that. I've had a lot of phone calls really in the last couple of days, and, and that's guys are wondering how in the world are they paying what they're paying for these six, uh, you know, six and seven weights in sale barns. And when we work the math backwards, it basically comes down to, you know, they're probably likely going out and putting LRP on them immediately. And they're still locking in a, a decent uh, break profit. You know, they, they're guaranteed some money for running their calves or paying for the grass and the feed that they're going to have. Uh, so, you know, it, it just makes sense, especially on the heels of, you know, a lot of producers at record profits last year. They don't want to give that back. So 
you know, they're, they're making use of the inputs they've got and they're, you know, they're, they're putting some protection in there. And that's why I say, I'm, if you call and you want to put it on, I, I put some LRP on for a producer earlier today that's run some grass calves. Um, and his first question is, is it going to go higher? And I said, very likely, but I'm not going to tell you that this is a bad idea. Like you're locking in a feeder calf index, $5 above the record high. So I can't tell you it's a, it's a poor idea. And you know, my title on my business card does say hedge specialist. So if I told you to wait, uh, I'd be a pretty poor hedge specialist, I guess. <laughs> well, we really appreciate uh, your thoughts and your specialist recommendations. And uh, thanks for the time as always. Tyler Shaw with agmarket.net. Good to catch up with you. Thanks for a WASDE recap with us. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jesse. Up next, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing here on Market Talk. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at how the markets settled up on the day Thursday and recap the USDA February WASDE report and everything that the app uh, was thrown at the trade on the day. Soybeans ended up finding a little bit of green on the screen, plenty of volatility there throughout the session. Corn was quiet, wheat under pressure. Let's talk about things. Joining us for a conversation, Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Brian, good to catch up with you again. And Talk with you on a WASDE report day. Man, oh man, uh, USDA's numbers, uh, soybeans especially on the South American side, I think a lot of folks were expecting a bigger cut. We didn't get it. CONAB gave us a pretty big cut ahead of USDA on Thursday. Uh, but I think everything, all the soybean fodder out there really added to the volatility on that side of the market today, didn't it? Well, it did. And I was going to say the USDA didn't give us the number that people were hoping for and looking for by a ton of 3 million metric tons. And so it kind of was a you know bit negative there. The world numbers went up. But CONAP, uh, the equivalent of the USDA in Brazil, they came out with their number. And that was a, on a supportive tone. That's in that now you got you got CONAP now, now down toward that 150 million metric ton area. And consequently, when you look at that big picture, you got to think that the bean market might be looking at perhaps its max supply out of that southern hemisphere. Um, I was going to say, unless it pulls the United States and somehow manages to find much higher yield after harvest. But to, to that end, there was some carry-in brought in from last year in Brazil. I believe, uh, I don't have all the numbers memorized, but that was 1.7 million metric tons. That's no sizable small amount to carry in. So still a heavy report, but uh, but probably room for the USDA to work their way more closer to the 150 million metric ton mark. Yeah, uh, down the road, we'll see if USDA works their way there. I know on the U.S. side, they cut soybean exports 35 million bushels. That was a little surprising, but then maybe not considering our pace of, of soybean demand, Brian. Your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I, I think we all kind of feared it. We didn't know what the number might be. 35 is a pretty hefty number, and that got added basically right back into the carryout. So the carryout rose um, from a very you know snug number several months ago, and it's been just gradually chipped away at either through a little bit higher yield or poor or export expectations. Uh, right now, looking at uh, U.S. carryout at 315 million. Boy, the average pre-report estimate wasn't looking for that big. It was 282 million. So, so they're again a little heavy. Nice to see the market turn around toward the close. I don't think I'm ready to celebrate yet. Um, uh, just doesn't have the feel that there was liquidation um, of longs from speculative shorts. That is, you know, they're short heavy. There may have been some bottom picking and buying here, but it doesn't look like when you finish a couple higher. I know it was lower at one point. But when you finish a couple higher and only about a dime off the low, it just doesn't, to me, resonate as as we've turned the corner yet. On the corn side, not much uh, in the way of newsworthiness, I think, out of this WASDI report. I know ending stocks went up a little bit. The Brazil number got cut to 124 uh, million metric tons from USDA. I know in the case of this corn market, though, here throughout much of the week, we've been setting new contract lows in front month March corn. This corn market is just a little depressing to look at right now, Brian. It is, and this goes back to late summer where we saw September go off the board around 462. Then December went off beneath that, and now March is trading beneath that. And so it's a reflection of something, and really it's a reflection of a lot of things. Uh, kind of the big three just put together is simply that there's concern that China won't necessarily buy as much corn as maybe we thought they might. Their economy's in kind of rough shape. So that's one. Two is while we do recognize that the Brazilian and Argentine crops combined could be close or lower than last year, uh, you're not still not looking at a, a significant drawdown. And on a side note, kind of interesting today that the Brazil corn crop, the USDA went from 127 in January to 124, 3 million metric tons. And the bean crop, the only lows, lowered 1 million metric ton. If I had to guess beforehand, I would have said it would have been three for soybeans and one for corn. So go figure. Uh, but the last thing is that, uh, you know, I don't know if we've really got a handle on last year's crop yet. It's just such an odd year in that, Jesse, when you see the USDA raise yield in November and again in January, that's crazy you know we just don't see that and that's a reflection of a, of a small crop that instead of getting smaller got bigger and bigger and bigger and one has to wonder what the real crop size is considering it appears these private crop estimates and boots on the ground and even the usda the usda on the ground in october still couldn't quantify the yield and the price is telling us maybe that that there's more out there um than than before i i really can't put a finger on it we kind of thought corn 475 area probably was a good support level than 450 now it's looking like 425 might be the next target yeah and that's uh not something that uh, a lot of folks want to see if 425 that range is indeed the next target uh i want to touch on the wheat trade real quick before we kind of sum up the grains overall i know wheat was the the biggest loser on the day i'm looking at charts like minneapolis charts it looks like we've lost a fair amount of carry in the market there i know in terms of this wheat trade though a lot of it's just going back to a big russian supply and world wheat prices really seem to be weighing on all three wheat classes here in the u.s right now it seems brian yeah, we just continue to, every week to hear more about Russia 
lowering price, putting their gas, their foot on the gas pedal and keeping the world active there. And then the other side of this coin too is there was, I think some support on wheat, all this warm weather, you know, just looking for a cold front. And there was uh, talk of a polar vortex heading south potentially into the plain states. It looks like that now is going to not even get to the United States, stays in Canada probably. So there was that today. Then you got some technical selling today, just kind of an ugly day. World ending stocks on wheat actually came in less than the market was expecting at 259.4, not a lot less. Mark was looking for 260.1, but but uh, seven tenths of a million metric tons. And so that's not in and of itself, uh, that's not a bearish. But when you get a re you know, report like this and the market still heads lower, eesh, that's not a great sign. So just a tough day in the wheat market there. Hopefully it'll snap back. I gotta be frank, I didn't like today's close at all. That was a weak finish. Uh, I, I'm just worried that market might be on the verge of trying to retest its lows from fall. Well, Brian, I want to spend a little time here. You are uh, always great at giving us uh, perspective on on how these markets are trading, kind of the thousand foot view. So, in terms of the grains and oil seeds, uh, what do folks need to think about here post February WASD moving forward? We're getting closer to spring planting, things like that. I, I guess. To steal your line, big picture perspective here, Brian. What do you see in this grade trade right now? Sure. So I see I see two things. One, big picture perspective. If you're an end user or a buyer, things are getting appreciably cheap for you quickly. So don't lose sight of that. You've got in corn and soybeans, you've got a big weather event yet in the southern hemisphere to produce big crops. And so so there's that. And then there's U.S. weather after that. So I know the market, you can say, cried wolf last year because, boy, you know, the drought monitor map and all. So, but still, you know, weather matters. It's important. So if you're a buyer, you'll recognize that, you know, sitting on the sidelines has been working but it's not going to work forever. Um, the second thing is from grain producers perspective, there's not a lot of easy answers right now. So I think there's one of two ways you got to kind of be of the mindset, just wait it out. Um, markets go down, they go up. Uh, that's, that's one. The other is just stay at it. What I mean by that, keep trickling grain into the pipeline, keep lightening the load, keep your cash flow coming. If you know how to buy it back, be prepared to buy it back. You could buy futures, you could buy calls. Um, but there's, there's a little bit of method to that madness. We've been encouraging producers to do that since fall. And those sales that didn't all of a sudden look so good in fall or late October, November, when things only rallied up, they look pretty good right now. So uh, I'm not arguing that the market's going to bury itself and get worse. But we've all seen strange things happen. And my mind goes back to 2008. We saw $8 corn and the corn traded under three on the board. Uh, all in the same window of four or five months uh, before it eventually got back into the force. Uh, just a lot of potential. I don't, we just, we're not seeing the managed money move out of these short positions yet. Not, I mean, some weeks a little bit, some weeks they add, but you're not seeing appreciable wholesale short covering, buy back, get long. We haven't seen that yet. Well, and to that point, uh, until managed money and the funds have a reason to get out of their short positions, it feels like the, this market's going to continue to kind of be stuck where it's at and, and trickle its way lower because with those record short positions right now by the funds, they're really seemingly driving these markets, Brian. 
Well, it's human nature. People do what works, right? So when things are working, you kind of figure out how to keep doing what's working. So if they've sold the market and it's worked, and then they sold the market again and it's worked, they've been building this position with things that have worked. Today's reports, not that I want to sound too sort of cliche, but but it was a permission slip. It was a permission slip to stay short. They, 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 there was nothing there that said, wow, we need to rethink this. Uh, the CONAM number, I thought this morning, that's a kind of a, yeah, we might need to rethink this. We, we, you know, we, we've been talking for months how some of the private estimates were talking maybe into the 150s or low 150s. Well, CONAB's there. And maybe the USDA will get there. Now it's, are we in the 140s, 130s? There again, small crops have a tendency to get smaller. That, that may be the case uh, here. Pretty good reduction already, though. So I'm, I'm. If I think about late planted beans and some of the December weather that improved in late December, I, I'm not ready to throw in the towel that this crop could could also score a little bit of a recovery. But suffice it to say, there's been. I mean, we know it. It's been documented. The damage has been done to a lot of hectares, and uh, those add up, and that's why the yield estimate for crop estimates, even from the USDA's uh, perspective, Jesse, uh, you're talking 9 million metric tons, talking about 8% less in that area. It's probably mostly like 10% less. Yeah. All right. That's Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. Back with more with Brian on the way right after the break. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice. And you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are having a conversation today with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Brian, some thoughts from you in the livestock trade. I spent time last week at the Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando. Feels like there's a little more optimism in the cattle markets here right now. We got a decent day again on Thursday. Uh, the WASD report, pretty much as expected numbers on beef production and thoughts on slaughter, et cetera, there. Your, your take on this cattle market right now, and what you're seeing, are you in the camp that there's a little more optimism on the beef side right now? Oh, for sure. There's there's optimism. You've got a couple of things. You've got an equity market that has just been blowing up since November. Remember, the cattle market tipped over in late September. And so there's optimism in, in that regard. But, but that's not going to drive the cattle market so much. It's back to supply. It's back to demand, finding a home for higher prices. The charts put in a technical V bottom. We had talked about this uh, late summer that typically the market sort of has that bottom, maybe more toward late summer, October, and then recover. This time it took a little bit longer, but we're getting that recovery into probably what will be the uh, one of the stronger demand seasons and tighter supply seasons into that April window. So I don't know if we can get back up to the highs. That's pretty extraordinary. we got a long-term trend. you got a lot of money pouring in. But the market has done very well. Technically, a two-thirds retracement here, nice V-bottom. Nice when you put a V-bottom in, then you look for other things. I see inverted head and shoulders. Those give us upside objectives. 
all of the contracts have pretty much hit what we thought might be feasible. Now it's whether or not they can kind of extend it. I think that would take some adverse weather to do that. Hog market a little bit quieter on Thursday, but I think in this case of this hog trade, we've we found a decent floor, I think, here. And now maybe we've talked about this before, I think, kind of settling into a new range, it feels like, on the hog side, Brian. Yeah, it does. It feels like it's selling into a range, and those summer months are still holding good value. So I'll encourage you, if you've got hogs, even though we're down a little bit here, well, I should say $4 a week on, on like the June contract, but still a high price. We had June uh, pushing the high of, what, 90, uh, 98.35, and back in June, we had 98.80. So double topping that chart back off of that. Still good hedging opportunities, trying to find its footing. Cash index price 70, uh, 74.02. February board's getting in line with that. Uh, it looks like things are, are uh, that's a good word. I think they're aligned. Uh, the nearbys are aligned with cash, deferred to line with expectations for tighter supply. And um, yet, I don't think we're talking about bull markets here. Um, there's, you know, big picture perspective that China has reduced their hog herd some, maybe exports can pick up. Uh, we've been running at deficits for Iowa hog producers now for multiple months. I think that in and of itself does curb the herd size down a little bit, but it doesn't curb it down enough, especially with back months at $94, $96 to encourage big liquidation that far out. So, so I'm still very, I'm cautiously optimistic, but um, I don't know if we can do a whole lot better than those those summer months are priced right now. How about the dairy trade? Any notes for us and uh, what's going on in the dairy markets, Brian? Yeah, a lot of crazy volatility, uh, some quick demand, big uh, push into the cheese market. Some of that comes off the weather in California, that trough of rain again coming into California, parts of Idaho cattle uh, talking to an Idaho producer this morning on uh, some of the operations, you know, uh, a lot of mud, a lot of muck, uh, worries about uh, mastitis, things like that. That'll show up down the road a little bit. Um, but I think I think the, the idea of the weather event may already be past the market. It quickly reflected that with a quick surge higher. Um, so I, I think prices are back to an area where we talked in November, where they seem to be finding some support, and then they fell apart. But this should be an area where, where they should find support. I just don't know if we can talk about mustering up a whole lot of strength when you look at it 18 in front of all of the months from from june and beyond i think that's going to keep keep producers you know the mindset they they can hedge milk here sell milk here and at least have that as a pivot point it just doesn't seem to me that we're encouraging the market's encouraging liquidation so limited upside again Brian, final thoughts. Floor is yours. What do you want folks to take home today? And uh, what do you want to reiterate to folks here after uh, the WASDE report? Sure. So we had the WASDE report. The WASDE report's done and behind us. Um, and we knew we know some more information. So focus is still on Southern Hemisphere crop conditions and weather for row crops. Um, just kind of a, a friendly reminder that as, you know, we know where we are now. But if we look back, a lot of frustration that, you know, farmers didn't you know, they didn't sell more. They didn't do. So when opportunity comes and you look at price, remember there's a difference between price and value. So last, a year ago at this time, when farmers were looking at new crop price, they're focused on that price and comparing it to something else. And that was the old crop, which was quite a bit higher. So it wasn't a really strong incentive when you compare price, but the value was there 
to get started making sales. So I always kind of keep in mind, if you start seeing some value, and I call value things where you can produce something to make a profit or a buyer can buy corn. There's value for the end user right now. Price might say we could go lower, but the value is there to buy the inventory because you can buy it for less than it costs you to produce it. So that's a bargain. So just kind of keep in mind the difference between value and price. Price is just a point in time. It's always relative to something, but value is relative what to what it means for your operation. Brian, I know folks, if they have questions, they can reach you easily via phone, email, online. How can they get in touch with you, Brian? I, I'd like a phone call uh, first, 800-334-9779. And let me listen to and uh, see if I can come up with some solutions to any questions you have. So that would be one. Uh, two would be email. Just shoot me an email. I, 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 emails are good. I like them. It's Brian with a Y. So B-R-Y-E-N at TotalFarmMarketing.com or check out our website, TotalFarmMarketing.com. Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Market Talk today, Brian. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. You as well, Jesse. Always appreciate it. Brian Doherty there with Total Farm Marketing, Senior Market Advisor, VP of Brokerage Solutions at Total Farm Marketing. A few of the closes from Thursday, real quick. March corn was down one four thirty three and a quarter. December new crop corn one and a half lower four seventy two and a quarter. March beans up four and a half eleven ninety three and a half. November up two eleven seventy two and three quarters. Bean oil was up sharply. Bean meal was down just a little bit. March Chicago wheat. Down 13 and a half, 588 and a half. March KC wheat down 17 and a quarter, 601. Spring wheat March down 12 and a half, 683 and three quarters. February live cattle up 155, 18377. March feeders up 130, 24685. And February hogs down 7,7330. We're out of time. That's going to do it for today's show. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. Have a great day.